Thank you for joining us online today. As, as our pastor brings a great message from God's Word directly to you, we love the fact that we can engage with you virtually through YouTube or wherever else you might find us online and uh, be able to bring these great messages uh, right to your living room or to your portable device. Today's message is going to be very challenging and encouraging at the same time. We are looking at a spiritual checkup. You know, it's good to take stock every so often. They tell us to go get an annual physical every year, have the doctor check us out, make sure we're healthy, go to the dentist to get our teeth checked, go see the eye doctor, do those kind of things that just keep us, us running physically. But it's also important that we take an annual, at least annual, spiritual checkup. And so we get to do that today. We're going to do that through the lens of Scripture as we look at the parable of the sower. Very familiar passage to many, but one that brings a great deal of impact into our lives. So go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word, a pencil, a notepad, pen, whatever it is your choice is. And let's pray together as our pastor comes. God, we thank you for your Word that is so impactful and enlightening to our lives that you're going to challenge us today in some way as we investigate our own spiritual health and give ourselves a spiritual checkup through the lens of Scripture. Help us to see things that you want us to see, to change things you want us to change, and to grow in ways we maybe even never thought possible. Thank you for how you do that through your word and through this message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining me for today's worship service here at First Baptist Church. I'm going to be talking about a spiritual checkup. Later this month, I have my annual physical, and I've been doing that for a number of years, as I'm certain many of you are. And I think it's also a good idea to do a spiritual checkup from time to die, time to time. In fact, recently, uh, Lifeway Research uh, surveyed uh, more than 1,000 Protestant churchgoers across this country and, and looking at where they were spiritually today compared to before this uh, pandemic and COVID-19 and what they discovered was that that 91% or basically 9 out of 10 churchgoers said once the, the risk from COVID-19 and the pandemic is over, they plan to attend church as much or more than they did before the pandemic. But 9% or basically 1 out of 10 said when the pandemic's over, they'll be attending church less than they did before or not at all. Another interesting discovery was that while all of those who are churchgoers said they were Christians. One in five, one in four of them, 25% said they were they, they, they really weren't devout. Yes, I'm a churchgoer and I'm a Christian, but I don't consider myself to be devout, to be devoted uh, wholeheartedly uh, to Jesus. They also asked people in that survey if they had grown closer to God during the pandemic. And, and, and as a positive thing, about half the people, or 54%, said yes, they were closer to God today than before the pandemic started. 7%, or almost 1 out of 10, said, though, they're not as close to God now as they used to be. And 39% said about the same. What was really encouraging to me was the group. Listen to this. The group that was most likely to say when the pandemic is over, they're going to attend church more than they did before the pandemic and that they are closer to God today than they were before the pandemic. Listen to this. The group most likely to say those two things are young adults, those between the ages of 18 to 29. And as a pastor, I want to tell you, that really encourages my heart. And I've seen that in some of the young people here at First Baptist Church. So what about you? Where are you today in your walk with Jesus Christ? 
Where are you in your relationship with Him as a disciple, as a follower? Are you closer to Jesus now than you were a year ago? Are you growing in your relationship with God and your understanding of His Word? Are you more faithful to Jesus today than you used to be? Are you more obedient to Him and to what He says in Scripture now than you were, say, 12 months ago? Are you changing? Are you growing? Are you becoming more Christ-like? Do you resemble Jesus more and more? Or are you just staying put? Maybe even declining. Where are you at spiritually? So today we're going to do a, a spiritual checkup and we're going to use a story or a parable that Jesus told and it's recorded in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. So I invite you to open your Bible there. And it's a parable from, from a, the, the farming days, if you will. He tells about a, a farmer who went out to plant seed and, and they didn't have all the mechanisms of today. So he would be throwing his seed, his grain by hand and he'd be walking along a hardened path and throwing that seed out into the field. And Jesus said some of that seed fell on the hardened path and the birds would come and eat it up. And then he said some of the seed would fall along the edge of the garden, if you will, where there was rocks that had been piled up as they cleared the garden, had a little bit of dirt, and the seed would spring up quickly, but there wasn't enough dirt for the roots to go deep. And so that young shoot, when the sun would come out, would wither. And then he said some of the seed that the farmer threw fell out into the good dirt, started growing, but then weeds and thorns grew with it and choked it out. And then fourthly, he said, the seed falls out in the dirt and there's no weed, there's no thorns, and it grows and produces a harvest, produces fruit. Well, after telling that, that, that story, that parable, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, we don't understand it. We want you to explain it to us. And I want to read for you Jesus' explanation to his disciples of that uh, parable. In chapter 4 of Mark's gospel, beginning at verse 4, he said, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. Verse 16, in a similar way, these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. Verse 18, he said, and others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 20, and those are the ones on whom seed was sown on good soil and they, they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now what? Jesus is telling us here is that all of us as human beings fall into one of these four categories. Each of us are, are a type of soil or a type of dirt or a type of garden, if you will. And, and, and the seed that is sown is the word of God. It's Jesus and his word. It's Jesus and his truth. Jesus and his teaching. And the sower is anyone who is planting God's word in our lives. We plant it in our own hearts. Others plant it in our hearts. And, and he says there are going to be four types of soil, four types of gardens, four types of people, four ways that people respond. He said some are going to have hard hearts. That's the path that you walk on and it's hard because you walk on it all the time and when the seed falls on it, the birds steal it, they eat it. Or he says Satan 
Satan steals it. That's the person when they hear the gospel, when they hear the word of God, it has no impact on them. They may have a negative response or they may simply be indifferent, but it doesn't move them in any way. Secondly, he said there are those with shallow hearts. That's the rocky soil, the rocky dirt on the edge of the garden. And there's a little bit of dirt. And he says, those are people, they, they hear the things of God. They, they, they hear about Jesus and they like it and they, they quickly respond. They have an emotional experience, but there's no depth to them. There's, no, there's not enough dirt for the roots to grow deep into their heart and deep into their life. And because they are so shallow, when the sun rises, they wither. When there's hardships and persecution and, and, and you have to be willing to stand up for Jesus in the crowd, when the crowd is trying to discourage you, they don't have that depth. And therefore, they, they wilt under the pressure. They fade under the pressure, if you will. And then he said the third type of dirt, the third type of heart, the third response is what I would call either the, the strangled heart or the crowded heart. That's the seed that falls out there in some good dirt and it begins growing. But then the thorns, the weeds choke it out and it doesn't produce a crop. It doesn't produce a, a harvest. That's, that's the people who are saved. They're followers of Christ, but they, they, they become distracted from their spiritual life. They become distracted from the things of Jesus. They become distracted from the word of God and they don't grow. They don't produce a harvest. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. And the fourth type of response, the fourth type of people or type of heart, he says, is the, the, the responsive heart. That's the person who the seed falls out there in the good dirt and there's no weeds and it grows and produces a great crop. Those are the disciples who are growing in Jesus. In Lifeway Research, uh, the survey, that's the person who said, today I'm closer to Jesus than I was 12 months ago. I'm growing. I'm growing in my walk with Christ. I'm growing in my study of his word. I'm changing and becoming more Christ-like. And I thank God for each of you who are that type of person. But let's be honest. We know that many churchgoers, many followers of Christ, many disciples, and many of you listening to me right now fall into that third group. You are a follower of Jesus, but your heart is strangled. Your heart is crowded. And as a result, you are not uh, growing. Now, the shallow heart, there's, there, there's some of you maybe listening to me right now who fall into that category. And in Jesus' life, you, there, there was one time when a large crowd was following him and uh, he was teaching them and he said some things they struggled to grasp, they struggled to agree with, they struggled to want to obey. And because they struggled with what he said, they walked away. That's the shallow heart. That may be you. You, you, you're interested in Jesus, but you struggle to obey what he says. And sometimes you just walk away because of it. Or the shallow heart could be like King Herod, who really liked John the Baptist and enjoyed hearing him preach. And uh, when, when he was in prison, did not want to see John the Baptist executed. But he gave in to the pressure of the crowd and the pressure of his wife and the pressure of his military officials and did what deep in his heart he didn't want to do. He had John the Baptist executed anyway. And, and, and that's a shallow heart. That's some of you. You're interested in the things of God, but you don't want to stand up against the crowd. You don't want to be different than your friends. And so you give in to the peer pressure and you walk away. But like I said, I think more people in our churches today, rather than being shallow hearts, are those strangled hearts, those crowded hearts. And let me remind you, 
of what Jesus said about those in verses 18 and 19 of Mark 4. He said, these are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns or the weeds for us today. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. That's the, that's the people in the Lifeway research that said, I, I'm a Christian, but I'm really not devout. That's, that's the ones who've said, I, I'm going to attend church a little bit less after the pandemic. I'm not increasing in my faithfulness. A strangled heart. He says they become unfruitful. That means they're not growing. They're, they're not producing righteousness and godliness. They're not, they're not producing Christ-likeness. They're not serving in a way that is making a difference for the kingdom of God. And, and he says what happens is these thorns, these weeds choke out of them growth, choke out of them fruitfulness, choke out of them a harvest or a crop, if you will. For plants to grow, they need good dirt, good soil. They need the nutrients. They need water. They need sunshine. They need space for the roots to, to grow deep and space for the plants to spread out. And here's what weeds do. See, when there are weeds in your garden, it, it robs those plants of the moisture of the water in the ground as it takes up some of it. It robs those plants of the nutrients they need to grow. It robs those plants of the sunshine because it blocks the sunshine as the weeds get taller. And it, and it crowds the roots and it crowds the plants so the roots and the plant can't grow. And they have to grow if they're going to produce a fruit. Jesus is saying there are weeds that grow in the lives of Christians, weeds that we allow to grow in our hearts and our lives as his disciples, as his followers, that take the nutrients from us, take the water of God's word from us, the sunshine of his love from us, and crowd out the good things that God's wanting to do. And as a result, we don't grow. We don't produce a harvest. And that's some of you listening to me right now. You know if it's you. You know if you're growing or not. You know if you're changing or not. You know if you're into the Word of God and learning it and being changed by it or not. So I want us to talk for just a moment about the weeds. Because Jesus said it's the weeds, it's the thorns that you allow to grow in the garden of your heart, the garden of your life that choke out spiritual maturity, that choke out spiritual growth. So let's look at those weeds. The first weed that he mentions in this story is the, the worries of the world, or one translation says the worries of this life. You see, life is filled with so many responsibilities. We all have bills to pay and kids to raise and deadlines uh, to meet. We all have a body we need to take care of, a body that gets sick, a body that grows old and will eventually die. We all live in this world that is, that is so beautiful and, and filled with so much that is good, but this world that is also so messed up. And, and, and there's a lot in this world that scares us and bothers us. We all have those experiences. And here's the danger. You see, the danger is that we allow all of those responsibilities, we allow all of our challenges, we allow all of our concerns about this messed up world to crowd out God's voice, if you will, to drown out the voice of God, the word of God in our lives. We, 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 we get so busy dealing with all the responsibilities that, that there's not time in our lives 
to, to cultivate growth, to get into the Word of God. We, we worry so much about all of these things, many of which we can't control, and we live in fear. And do you know what the cure is? If, if, if that weed is growing in your heart, in your life, and it's choking out spiritual growth, the cure for that is prayer. Instead of being worried about all these things, we should allow these things to drive us to Jesus Christ into the arms of our Lord and Savior. The Apostle Paul wrote in his book to the Philippians in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he wrote this, Be anxious for nothing. Wow. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then notice this in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The only way to have peace in this messed up world, the only way to have peace when we're dealing with all of our responsibilities, the only way to have peace when our body is not doing well is to stay in the presence of Jesus Christ, to pray and keep our focus on Him. That's when we have peace in our heart and peace in our mind. When we focus on everything out there, it produces worry, anxiety, and it also produces spiritual stagnation. So with this spiritual checkup today, is, is, the, is the weed of, of worry, the weed of concern about everything going on in life and in this world, is it choking out of you spiritual growth and devotion to Jesus Christ? If it is, pull that weed up. Get on your face before God in prayer and keep your focus on Jesus Christ day after day after day after day so you can know the peace of God. Now, here's the second weed Jesus talked about that chokes out of us spiritual growth. He called it the deceitfulness of riches. Some Bibles translate it the seduction of wealth. And I like that translation, the seduction of wealth. See, money, yes, yes, money can make a lot of things in life easier. But see, here's the danger. Money can also seduce us, lie to us, deceive us, trick us, thinking into, into thinking that if we have more money, we will be secure. If we just have more money, we'll have peace. If we just have more stuff, we'll find happiness. And because we believe those lies that are fed to us, the, de the, the deception that, that, that materialism and wealth you know, bestows upon when we believe those lies, we end up wasting all of our time pursuing those things, all of our energy pursuing those things, and have very little time or energy left over for the things of God or for our family and the things that matter more. When we believe the, the seduction that wealth and material things tries to you know, put in front of us all the time, when we believe that, sometimes it, it causes us to make bad decisions and, and to compromise. Recently, Monisa and I watched the Lifetime movie about the college admissions bribery scandal. You remember in 2019, uh, the scandal where wealthy people were paying this, this uh, shyster, if you will, thousands and thousands of dollars in bribes to work with with coaches and administrators and and others in schools to get their students into schools they didn't qualify for and uh, 
you know, uh, 50, 50 people have been charged with crimes in that. Wealthy CEOs, lawyers who knew the law, well-known actresses like Felicity Huffman who paid $15,000 to have someone alter her daughter's SAT score so she could get into the school she wanted to. Or Lori Laughlin, probably the most famous of all of those who were charged with a crime. She and her husband, who paid a bribe of $500,000 to get their daughters into USC. And what was really moving as we watched that movie was it dramatized the destruction and the pain that came to lives once all of this came out into the open and people were charged with crimes and they had to pay for their crimes. They, they were deceived. They were deceived and seduced by success and by money and by the idea that my kid needs to be in this school. They, they bought into the tricks and the lies of riches and wealth and materialism. And here's the thing. Disciples of Jesus can do the same thing. Followers of Jesus Christ can be seduced and deceived in the same way. And when we allow that to happen, we end up, we, we end up learning that sometimes it costs us a career. It can cost us our reputation. It can cost us relationships. So don't you allow the deceitfulness of wealth, the seduction of money to enter into your garden, into your heart, and mess up your life. That's the reason the Apostle Paul in his letter to a young preacher boy named Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, said this. Listen carefully. He said, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation. He doesn't say there's anything wrong with being rich. He said those who want to be rich, those who want to get rich face certain temptations and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires because you start wanting stuff, then you end up doing things that bring harm into your life, which plunge men, he said, into ruin and destruction. Then in verse 10, he continues, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves through with many griefs. We see that time and time again. And there are some of you listening right now who go to church. You are a churchgoer. You are a follower of Jesus. But you have allowed the deceitfulness of riches, the seduction of wealth, to mess up your life. Paul added in that same letter in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, but godliness, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. And Jesus himself, listen, Jesus himself in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, verses 20 and 21 said, store up treasure for yourselves in heaven for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, what you pursue what you chase, what you want, the treasure, it matters. What's the cure for not being seduced by riches? For not falling prey to the deceitfulness of wealth? What's the cure? It's to be rich toward God. To be rich toward God. Let it be the passion, the passion of your life, the passion of your heart to be rich in the things of God. Don't put the things of God on the back burner. Don't, don't lie to yourself. Don't, don't buy the lie of wealth and say, when I get all of this other stuff done, then I'm going to have a passion for God. It won't work. 
Have a passion for God above everything. And have that in your life from today forward. Here's the third and final weed that Jesus said chokes out growth. And it's the desires for other things. Not just money, but other things. Literally, it's to set your heart on those other things. Luke in his gospel says it's the pleasures of life. We can get so caught up in having fun, caught up in pursuing our dreams that we get distracted from the things of God. We have our natural senses, you know, the the things that we can touch, the things that we can see, the things we can hear, the things we can smell, the things we can taste. And, and, And sometimes we get so wrapped up in all of these physical desires, all of these physical hobbies, all of these physical pleasures that the spiritual is neglected, that the spiritual is ignored, that the the senses, the physical, the pleasures overpower, overpower the spiritual. And that always leads to ruin. The cure for that problem is to have godly desires, to have a spiritual passion. You see, the same word, that Jesus used when he said the desires for other things. The same Greek word for desires is also used in the New Testament for godly desires, for good desires. Using that same word, Jesus said that he desired to eat the last meal with his disciples before he was crucified. Using that same Greek word for desires, the Apostle Paul said that he desired to be in heaven. Using that same word, the author of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament said that he desired for each and every follower of Jesus Christ to be diligent to grow spiritually and not be spiritually sluggish. What are your godly desires? Do you have any? What are your godly passions? Do you have any? Or... Are you distracted from godly desires and godly passions by the desires for other things? Have you been deceived by the the by by wealth? Have you have you been lied to by riches and what it can do for you? Which of these weeds is growing in your heart and in your life? Are are you giving in to the worries of life and the worries of this world and the worries of this this age, of this time. What are you chasing? And what is your focus on? What weeds are growing in your heart? Is it worry and fear? Is it the weeds of money and stuff and things? Is it the the weed of, of having fun and enjoying hobbies? See, here's something I want you to know. I control the kind of garden my heart is. So do you. See, the Word of God has the power to grow in any of us, in me and in you. But I have to make sure that my heart is receptive. That that the soil, the dirt, the garden is prepared the right way. I have to cultivate the garden of my heart. I have to put in the work to keep it cultivated and, and actually the work of putting the Word of God into my heart. Putting the Word of God into my heart so that it can then produce that fruit. I have to do the work of pulling up the weeds. And if I'm worried all the time, I need to do the work of getting on my knees before God and into His Word and keeping my focus on Jesus. If, if I'm being deceived by wealth, I've, I've got to do the work 
of saying, Jesus, I'm going to pursue treasure in heaven and the things of God more. I, I want godly treasure. I want godly wealth. If I'm struggling with, with the, the, the weed of pleasure and desire for other things, I've got to be willing to pull that weed up and say, in addition to having some fun, I want to have the joy of knowing Jesus, the joy of being close to Jesus. I pursue the things of God. I pursue the Word of God, and I am the only person who can cultivate the garden of my heart. You are the only person who can cultivate the garden of your heart. If I'm not growing, if you're not growing, it's because of one of two reasons. Number one, I'm letting something choke God's Word out of my life. I'm allowing one of these weeds to grow in my heart, in my life. And it's choking out the Word of God. Or number two, I'm not doing much of anything to put the seed of God's Word in my heart in the first place. Those are the only two reasons not to grow. Either I'm not putting God's Word into my heart and into my life, or I'm allowing some of these weeds to choke it out so that it doesn't produce anything. That's why I want to encourage you to join us in our Bible reading plan. We're reading parts of the Old and New Testament this year at First Baptist Church. A reading plan is available on our website. I encourage you to go there, fbcrockhill.org, and download it. We're reading five chapters in a systematic way each week, Monday through Friday. And then I release a, a devotion every Monday through Friday at 5 a.m. where I just share with you what God said to my heart from that chapter for that day. And you have two ways to, to catch that devotion. You can watch the video that, that we release at 5 a.m. on our YouTube channel, on our Instagram account, or at our website. You can also listen to the podcast. If you don't have time to watch the video, listen to the podcast while you're driving to work. Just search for Steve Hogg wherever you download your podcast and subscribe to it. And you can hear the devotion five to ten minutes each time. Five to ten minutes. Because we want you to be in the Word of God pulling up the weeds, pulling up the weeds. And by the way, I learned as a boy on the farm in Kentucky, it's not enough to hold the garden and pull up the weeds once. <laughs> I have to go out there from time to time to do it. And that's why every day I've got to be in the Word of God planting His seed. And every time He shows me a weed in my heart, a weed in my life, I have to do the work of pulling it up so the fruit of God can produce, be produced in my life. I'm, I'm asking you, brothers and sisters, to make that the priority, the passion of your life, and stop making excuses for not doing it. Your life will be so much better, so much better, if you put your focus on Christ and you seek His kingdom first. If you can make a decision today, if you're making a decision right now, and I'm asking you to, to, to renew your focus on Jesus, I want you to text the keyword Jesus to the number on your screen and tell us about it so we can be praying for you. If you have a prayer request, text the keyword prayer, or pray rather, the keyword pray to that same number and let us know how we can be praying for you. I hope you've been encouraged by this message. I look forward to being with you again next Sunday. God bless you and have a great week.